0: you for a minute before we look into God's Word. So let's uh, let's pray together. Kind Father, and I use those words very carefully because I do believe that you're a kind Father. Um, Having said that, Lord, I know that there are those here that find it difficult to relate to that concept because they're earthly father experience was not like that. And so I would pray that these biblical truths we were just singing, that you would remake their heart, that you would change the father image that they have, that they will not see you through the eyes of their experience here. And for those that, such as myself that were blessed to have a father earthly father that loved them and and was there for them thank you for that but for those that are hurting at that idea I pray for your healing but ask now Lord as we consider your word that you would speak as only you can we invite you to be present to speak in a way that's uh, um, that shapes us and so we pray these things we ask them now in Jesus precious name amen When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you don't know who you are, you won't know what to do. Or you might kind of figure out what to do, but you're not going to be motivated or inclined to do it because you're not living in who you are. You're not living in the place that you were created to be. So why would you? Know who you are. Everything in life stems from this. And so the question really needs to be asked, and I invite you to ask yourself this, do I know who I am? Because when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. We began talking about this last week in this series we're calling Know. And the, the premise is just that, know who you are, and then you'll know what to do. And what we've done is just invited you to practice a spiritual discipline, which is a a good habit, just a good, healthy habit, and that's one of memorizing Scripture. And and this is just an invitation to go deep into the deep end with Scripture. And so we began doing that last week, and we're going to do this for a number of weeks, and we're going to give you a verse or two each week to memorize. As you're leaving this morning, the ushers will give you this week's verse but I'd like to go over the verses with you from last week. And as I did at the 9 o'clock service, I'm going to look, but I'm going to close my eyes. And so I'm a little nervous you know, in front of the whole crowd here, but I think I know these verses. So if you can do these verses with your eyes closed, that's awesome. If not, I encourage you to memorize these verses. There's extra copies on the info desk if you'd like them. So this first one is the theme verse for our entire series, and it's sort of the undergirding theological concept of everything that we're going to talk about so let's do this verse together either eyes closed or eyes open we'll begin with the reference so let's go ahead second corinthians five seventeen. therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has gone the new has come that's a beautiful thing that we're going to be talking about a little bit more again today as we did last week. We talked about the fact that when we know who we are in Christ, and we celebrated a pile of verses in Scripture that talk about who we are in Jesus, and then we moved later in that text to verse 20 from chapter 5 in 2 Corinthians, and we said, now that we know who we are in Christ, that the old is totally gone and that the new has come, We have been appointed, the verses say, appointed and chosen by holy God to be his ambassador, to be his representative. That in Christ, we are chosen by God to be his ambassador. Because when you know who you are, in verse 17, you will know what to do. And God will grow that in you. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So let's do the second memory verse that you see on the screen there together. Again, eyes closed if you can. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Know who we are. So we'll know what to do. Today, we're going to be talking about God's masterpiece. That in fact, I am God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece in Christ. I'm God's magnum opus, Latin for the artist's greatest creation. I am God's masterpiece in Christ, his perfect creation, made in Christ Jesus to do what God created me to do. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, whoa, Scott, stop the car right there, because I need to get off, because I don't, I don't sense that. I have these deep feelings of insecurity. I've been rejected by people. I don't, I, I'm not able to achieve what I set out to do. I feel deeply insecure. I feel inadequate. And there must be something wrong with me. And if you've ever felt like that in your life, I just want to tell you and encourage you by saying you're absolutely right. There is something deeply wrong with every one of us. Without Christ, there is something very deeply wrong ...with every one of us. Our text today talks about this. If you have your Bible, turn with me to second, the second book, second chapter rather of Ephesians. Ephesians, right in the heart of the New Testament. If you're in Acts or Romans or Corinthians, it's just a little bit to the right. If you come to Thessalonians, you've gone a little too far to the left. Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, very well-known verses of Scripture. And as I read verses 1 to 10... I want you to just notice, Paul is just a real straight shooter. He's the guy that wrote 2 Corinthians. He's this really straight shooter, and he says, there's three problems that you guys have as human beings, that I have as a human being, Paul is saying. Three big issues. And so he's going to give them to us in these ten verses. Let's listen to them as I read, be listening for them. But before I read it, I just remind you that this is the word of the Lord. We were by nature objects of wrath. But, but, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus for it is by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it's the gift of god not by works so that no one can boast for we are god's workmanship also the idea we are god's masterpiece Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so Paul just very bluntly says in those opening verses, listen, you guys have got three big problems. Number one, every one of us are sinful. And because of that, number two, every single one of us is spiritually dead. Hopelessly, totally lost. And then one that we don't talk about as much in verse 3, as a result of our sin and as a result of the fact that we're now spiritually dead, we are now objects of wrath from holy God. We don't talk about that one very much. So let me just say to you, if this is your first Sunday here and you're brand new here, welcome to University Drive Alliance Church. We're here to make you feel good about yourself see, we talk a lot about God's love for us. And you hear me talk about this. I'll just reiterate, and this is, a, this is a truth that's so hard for us to get our heads around because it flies in the face of everything we hear everywhere. God loves us absolutely perfectly. There's not one thing that you could do or I can do or one thing that we cannot do that will cause him to love us any more or any less than he does. He loves us perfectly. Because he's God. Perfectly loving. But equally true and in equal measure, he's perfectly holy. And he does not ever, ever tolerate sin. And so, therefore, he must judge sin and he is a God of wrath. Very serious. And apart from Christ, every human being, Paul is saying, is sinful. Every human being is spiritually dead, totally separated from God, and the object of God's wrath. So you're sitting there going, well, well, how do these things work together perfectly? I don't get it. Well, we're not really intended to get it. It's a God thing. But this is at the very heart of why Jesus came and died for you. This is what he talks about in verse 4. Let me read it to you again. This is just this incredibly cool verse. But, all these things are true, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Whenever you see these ideas, epitomized by the two words, but God. All of this is true, but God. And when we see these words, they mean it's a game changer situation. Because when God steps into a situation, everything can change. Everything is possible and everything can change. Without something, without Christ rather, without Christ, there is something deeply wrong with every human being. But when we are in Christ, we are God's masterpiece says this in verse 10, often translated, especially in the NIV, as God's workmanship. can be. It has the concept of masterpiece as well. And this next memory verse that we want to do this week is verse 10, and so it's going to go up on the screen, and I'm going to, let's read this one together, Ephesians chapter 2. Now, if you already know this, you can read, memorize verses 8 and 9 as well, because they all kind of go hand in hand together. But let's read this together, beginning with Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. We are God's workmanship. The idea is masterpiece. But let me just, before I amplify that a little bit, let's just back up for a second to verses 8 and 9. We're told very clearly, and again, you often hear me say this this is the standalone truth that flies in the face of every religious system, every philosophical system in the world. None of them are like this. Study them. This passage says salvation is never something you can earn, salvation is not a reward for good things that we've done or bad things that we've avoided. No matter how hard, it says in verses 8 and 9, no matter how much a person works, no matter how hard they try, no matter how religious they turn out to be, salvation is never at the end of that. And in order to do that, this is done so that no one can boast about it. It's an impossibility. And it's only because of Christ's actions, it says in verse 4, and then in verses 8 and 9, it's only because of Christ's actions on our behalf that salvation is offered, completely unearned, completely undeserved, offered as a gift to whoever would receive it. And when we do receive it, we are now in Christ. This is is mind-boggling because now our identification, everything about us in life, does not lie in what we do or don't do. It doesn't lie in what other people say about us. It doesn't lie in what others might have done to us. It lies in who we are in Christ. And this changes everything because when you know who you are, you will know what to do. When you don't know who you are, you won't won't know what to do. And when we are in Christ, God sees us as his masterpiece. Listen to the words of Craig Rochelle. He says this, we are not saved by our our good works. We are saved for good works. Very important distinction. We are not saved by our good works. We are saved, verse 10, for good works good works never ever ever saved by what we do but when we are saved God intends to use us to make a difference and he creates us as his masterpiece about four years ago my daughter was doing her internship in a church in Munheim, Germany she lived there for nine months And she had a few days off at Christmas time, and so uh, my wife and I, Debbie and I, and our son, Sean, went over to see her, and I was able to preach in their church, it's a great little church there in Munheim, and uh, spend some time with the people, and then we went on a few days of holidays, and my daughter is is an artist, this is one of her giftings, and she does paintings, and uh, she's working on one right now, we were talking with her about it yesterday. And she, you know, we were talking about what are the things we're going to do. And one of the things she wanted to do was go to Paris. We got on the train, went to Paris, go to the Louvre to see the artwork there, this huge place. And, of course, she wanted to see the Mona Lisa, which is, you know, everybody says, masterpiece. And it really is. So we go into this room where the Mona Lisa hangs, and it's a very small painting. And it's a huge room and there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in there. I don't remember how many, but a lot. And it's just incredibly packed. And and so we're at the back and it's like this tight your arms are against your sides, my hands on my wallet because of all the pickpockets, and nobody's moving. And I'm waiting, we're waiting for a long long time. Like I mean a long time. Nobody's moving. The people at the front are just, you know, mesmerized with this painting, and nobody's moving, and so eventually, because of my infinite patience, I said, I can't wait any longer, and we had to push. Now, don't be alarmed, because it was Christian pushing, but, you know, I did use my elbows, so... Sean and I got like this, and Debbie and Aaron tucked right behind us, and we just slowly, literally pushed through the crowd, and they followed behind us. And eventually, we worked. It took a number of minutes, but we eventually got to the front of the crowd. And then Sean and I moved just a little bit. You know, I pushed this guy to the side, and Aaron went up the middle and stood right in the front row and gazed at the Mona Lisa for a couple of minutes. And then we pushed our way out the side, literally. When I say God's masterpiece, we are much more than that. You know, you look at a painting like that, and and you look at the composition, you can see the brush strokes, you're trying to imagine the message that the artist is trying to communicate, the contouring, all that stuff. We are all of those things, but so much more when we're in Christ. We are the masterpiece of God created for the master's purpose. The Greek word masterpiece or workmanship that's translated here, I can't say the word, but it's spelled, it's transliterated into the English with P O I E M A, which is then can be translated as the idea of a beautiful poem. When you are in Christ, you are a poetic statement of the very glory of God. The perfect workmanship of God. It, it's like a tapestry that all blends together. A beautiful picture created by the Master. His masterpiece His Magnum Opus. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. When you don't know who you are, you won't know what to do and you'll muddle around in life. And so there's There's two or three things, depending on the time here, two or three things I want to talk to you about, that when you discover who you are in Christ, that begin to become living realities in your life, because when you know who you are, oh, now I get what I'm supposed to do. Now I get it. And so first of all, there's this idea that I'm created for the Master's purpose. Created for the master's purpose. And I want to read to you from Psalm 139. Psalms are found right in the middle of your Bible. You just kind of open it in the middle. You'll probably be in the book of the Psalms. Psalm 139, very well-known scripture. But you're going to just notice as I read it how much it parallels um, Ephesians chapter 2 that we just read moments ago. Uh, Psalm 139, beginning in verses 13 through 16. David is writing, and he's talking about how we're created for the master's purpose. He says, for you created, speaking about God, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Let me just stop for a second, because these verses are key verses about the creation, key verses about the one who created us, key verses that remind us, that a fetus in its mother's womb is not a potential human being. They are a human being with potential. Let me say that again. These verses are very clear. Not a potential human being, but a human being with potential. This is the key question on that issue. I know there's other stuff, but this is the overriding question. Is this a potential human being? Or a human being with potential. God is very clear on this. A human being with great, eternal potential. So David says, "'For you, God, created my inmost being. "'You knit me together in my mother's womb. "'I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. "'Your works are wonderful. "'I know that full well. "'My frame was not hidden from you "'when I was made in the secret place.'" When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, God knew you before you were before your mother was impregnated by your father. And all the days were written for you. So what God is saying here is that there's this relatively short period of human history. And within this relatively short period of human history, there's this little slice of time, you know, of 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it is, where God has decided in his sovereignty to place us, where we would serve him best in this little slice of time. And he knows and he has a plan for us. And there is absolutely no better time in all of this time of human history. There's no better slice for our gifts to be exercised, our spiritual gifts to be in use, our talents, our skills, our personality. All of them brought to bear for one reason, to bring glory to the master. And see, the problem is, so many of us don't really believe that they are masterpieces of God created in Christ. Because when you don't know what you, who you are, you won't know what to do. Think about it with me. If you don't get who you are in Christ, it all gets really hazy after that. And you meander through life without purpose, without meaning. Craig Rochelle has said, Life in that position is just a big experiment. I think a very accurate description. Well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll just uh, take a run at this job over here because I need to have some kind of purpose in life and some kind of meaning, and hopefully that'll all flesh it out for me. But of course it doesn't. And so then we go, well, maybe, maybe this, this person I want to date, this girl I want to date, maybe, maybe she'll do it for me. So, you know, um, I'm just going to experiment with her a little bit. And, and I'm really sincere in this experiment, but I'm going to just see how that all works out. Or, or if I could just, you know, if I could just experiment here and do these accomplishments, get these series of things working together, hopefully it'll give me purpose and meaning in life. And a person goes through life, Meandering, bumping into walls, experimenting, trying to find meaning when they're apart from Christ. Because when you don't know who you are, you don't really know what to do. And if you do happen to figure out a few things you're supposed to do, your heart's not really in it because you're not operating in who you are and who you were created to be. So there's no made motivation to do it, so why would you know who you are? You are. You know, for example, (laughs) this is so depressing. We do not exist to accumulate things, contrary to much popular opinion. I just read something here very recently, and the author said, we typically spend two-thirds of our life desperately trying to accumulate things, and then we spend the last third of our life desperately trying to give it all away. Wow, you know, and it's, it is really funny on one hand, but it's incredibly sad on the other. Two-thirds trying to, oh, if I could just get all this stuff, somehow it's going to make me feel right about myself. And then, oh, won't you take my stuff and use it? I don't want to just throw it in the garbage or get five cents on the dollar. This is not why we are here. We are here to bring glory to God, created for the master's purpose let me just ask you and challenge you with this question don't you want to serve something that's bigger than you you see I think every human being deep in their heart whether they believe there's a God or not or whether they're sure if there's an, not sure if there's a God or not every human being wants to serve something bigger than themselves. second thing is, as God's masterpiece, we have everything we need to do everything God asks us to do. We have everything we need to do everything God asks us to do. We see this in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let me just read this verse to you. It says, uh, it says, His divine power, notice that, not our power, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything we need for life and godliness is available through his divine power. You often hear me say this. Try to do this stuff in your own strength, you're going to be a colossal flop. You will be able to gut it out for a little while if you work really hard. But if you... If you discover who you are and then say, okay, I'm going to just be like I used to be and try to do this all on my own, you will bomb mightily. Guaranteed. No, the process, we we come to Christ but then the process of God at work in our life continues and we're going, oh man, okay, I see now what you're calling me to, God. No way I can do this on my own. I need to uh, surrender myself and I invite you to fill me with your spirit. And we do this Regularly, every day, because we go, I don't have what it takes, God, to live the holy life the book calls me to. I don't have what it takes to serve in the way you've created me to serve, to bring glory to you, and so would you give me power from on high? And as you, as you think of the stories of Scripture, we see this played out. Over and over again, Uh, it's the three Ps, and I've said this to you many years ago, but you'll see this promise from God. God will say to a guy like Moses, hey Moses, I want you to head back to the old country uh, and uh, do this. And Moses goes, whoa, I don't know if I can do it, but God says, if you go, this is what's going to happen. And so he goes, and then there's a whole series of promises, of problems rather. All kinds of problems. And when when God puts a challenge before us and invites us down a path, there will be all kinds of problems. But then mixed in with the problems and at the end of the problems is God's provision. Just study study the book. Study the stories. You're going to see this pattern over and over again. Promise from God, all kinds of problems, provision. And the provision gets kind of mixed in with the problems. But it ends up with this. Well, the problem is, I think um, there's all kinds of people, myself included at times, that have masterpiece envy. And we look over at that person over there, and we go, okay, I've discovered who I am in Christ, and I, now I'm, I'm, start, I'm getting what I'm supposed to do, but, man, I don't, I don't have the gifts that they have. I don't have the abilities that they have. And, and so we use this as an excuse to be a coward or to just not bother. To not even try. Or give a half-hearted effort. Because we, and we use the excuse, well, I don't have the gifts that they have. And I have masterpiece envy. I wish I could do what they could do, but I can't do it. Here's the thing. Let's just take me for an example, okay? As God's masterpiece, and I am a masterpiece in Christ, I am doing right now what he called me to do looks a little different for everybody, right? But when I was 16 years old, I've told you the story, God put a call on my life. And I didn't get what it all meant, had no idea. Probably would run, run screaming into the night if I'd have known. No, I would have know. No, I just said, okay, God, I'm in. I'm totally in. Whatever you want. Because I want to be part of something that's way bigger than feeble little me. Yes, Lord. And so, He called me and he gifted me to do the things he'd call me to do. But if you know me at all, you'll know there's just like a whole lot of things, a whole lot of things I can't do. For example, I really can't sing. This is not an exaggeration. I really can't sing. I do sing because there's no more frequent commandment in Scripture than to sing. We're all called to sing. Sing words of praise. Sing words of recognition, theological truths, expressions of, of surrender, expressions of appreciation to holy God. So I know I'm supposed to do it, and I actually kind of like doing it, even though I can't do it. And if you were to do an honest evaluation of me and my singing ability, you would find that I barely rise to the level of joyful noise guy. And if you ever hear our worship teams, and this rarely happens, if you ever hear our worship teams make a mistake, it's more than likely because I'm down in front singing right here, and they hear my voice, and it mixes them up. (laughs) I don't understand art. I can't do art. I, I appreciate art a little bit, but I really don't get it. But if you look generationally in my family, my grandfather, very gifted artist... Um, If we go um, through the offices later with the open house, in my office over top of the file cabinets, you'll see two drawings, pencil drawings, and he was a complete perfectionist, one of them he just threw in the garbage, I, I still can't figure out what was wrong with it, but somebody dug it out of the garbage, they're hanging on my walls now, very gifted, my dad, very gifted drawing, ability at drawing, and then there's this monster leap of generations over me to my daughter, who's very gifted art-wise as well, and some of her art is hanging in my office as well. I can't fix anything. When something breaks, it is going to stay broken until someone else fixes it. My only hope is to pray, God, would you please fix this or send someone along that could fix it for me? But here's what I know. I wasn't created to be a lead singer. I wasn't created to be an artist. I wasn't created to fix the broken toilet. But I can see what God created me to be and to do. And that's simply because I asked him. I was willing. When I discovered who I was in Christ, and I discovered he had a different plan, I was willing, said yes, and I asked him, what is it? And at times, if you knew me as well, you'd know there's times when I have spectacularly failed. I like to fail spectacularly. It's kind of fun. And uh, But I've discovered who God has created me to be, his giftedness, and I've tried to surrender that to him so that it can be used for his glory because as God's masterpiece, we are created for his glory As God's masterpiece, we are created for his purpose and he gives us everything we need to do, everything he asks us to do. With Christ, we are the masterpiece of God. If you don't like yourself here this morning, my invitation would be, would you let God remake you? Would you let God remake you? I said last week, in my experience, the two things that people struggle with the most in life. We're talking about one of them right now. The second one I referenced last week is forgiveness. We do a very poor job of this in the church. We think somehow it's more spiritual when someone has hurt us. Or we've hurt someone else. I'll, you know, I don't want to face that person. I'll just go to another church. That is so unbiblical. No, God, it says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. God wants there to be forgiveness. He wants there to be healing. He wants there to be reconciliation in the relationship. And this is the thing we do very poorly. The second thing is, and the thing we're talking about in this series, is we struggle with our identity. And we, we've still got this old school way of thinking. And we're thinking, oh, this is, this is based on me. This is based on what I do or don't do. This is based on what other people have done to me, either good or bad. This is based on what other people say about me. This is based on my failures and my inabilities in life. And so when we think this way, we're we're wandering around, bumping into walls, trying to figure out what to do in life, and we have no real idea. When we know who we are, we will know... What to do. Know who you are. That's right, we're not going to sing. We did in the first service, we're not in the second, I forgot. I'm going to pray in just a moment. Um, Two things I remind you of as you're leaving, the ushers will be handing out these cards. They're just going to be scattering them to everybody as they go. Um, We have our open house to which you're all invited. Uh, There's actually four areas. We did some work in this room. You won't see it. It's kind of behind the walls and stuff like that. The preschool room, if you just go through the gym and down this hall that's just parallel to the auditorium here, this preschool room all behind us has been insulated and new windows and heating and all that kind of stuff was added to make a more inviting space for our children and our workers back there. There's the gym, and so you would just go through the gym to the back right-hand corner. You'll see the kitchen. The kitchen has been completely redone, used for a variety of things, both here and in our community. And then lastly, the fourth area is the offices. And so uh, all the offices will be open. There's going to be hosts in different areas. We encourage you to go in and look around. Uh, I think the work is like 98% done. It's almost done. Not quite, but it'll be done here in the next couple of weeks. So uh, as we bow together in prayer, I just want to remind you, if you'd like to come and pray, Alan and Angela are up here to my right, right at the front. They'd be honored to pray with you about any issue. Let's pray as we go. Father, we bow in your presence, and we're so grateful for your love for us. We would pray, Father, that we would live in who we are in Christ, that this this truth that is just kind of mind-boggling, we thank you so much for it, Lord Jesus, that in Jesus We literally are the masterpiece of God. We pray these things. We thank you for them. In Jesus' precious name, amen.